Welcome to Green and Red, Scrappy Politics for Scrappy People, a regular podcast on radical environmental and anti-capitalist politics, brought to you by Bob Bazanko and Scott Parker. Welcome to the Silky Smooth Sounds of the Green and Red podcast. I'm your co-host, Scott Parkin in San Francisco today. And as always, I'm joined by uh, Bob Bazanko from the University of Houston, which is appropriate today. We'll be talking about Texas. But before, um, we always start by thanking all of you. Um, our numbers have been going up really significantly, which we really appreciate. So please um, share these, tell people about them. We talked to amazing people who really need to get heard. Uh, subscribe to our whatever podcast platform you listen to and to YouTube. Uh, rate and review, those are always great to give us kind of a bigger bump. And um, you can also, if you're really inclined, if you know some money fell off a truck near you, you can give us a few bucks. We have some small overhead, which uh, is always nice to, to be able to, uh, you know, kind of pay our people a, a living wage and all that kind of stuff. So we do appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, if you want to donate, check out our website at greenandredpodcast.org and hit that support button. You can make a one-time donation or you can become a patron at patreon.com backslash greenredpodcast and give us $3 a month for the rest of your lives. That would be fantastic. Or $20 um, a month for the rest of your life. Yeah, that would even be better. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about reproductive rights, Roe v. Wade, uh, abortion, and we're going to be talking about it in the context of some of the states out there, one in state in particular, which is the red state, where Bob and I are both from, as well as our guest. Um, today, we're talking with Candace Byrne, who is a senior editor at Truthout. And Candace has also been published in The Nation, in These Times, The Texas Observer, Salon, Sludge, Yes Magazine, Earth Island Journal. Uh, her work has received awards from the San Francisco Press Club, the Fort Worth Chapter of the Society of Professional Journalists, the Native American Journalists Association, and the Dallas Peace and Justice Center. Welcome to Green and Red, Candace. Also a longtime friend of mine. We've been friends for like over 10 years, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Scott and Bob. Um, this past week, uh, well, going on, I guess it was a week ago now, someone leaked a draft of a, of a Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, which has sparked outrage and uproar around the country and around the world. But the rollback of abortion access has been happening for many years in many ways, in different parts of the country preceding what we expect the, the Supreme Court to do potentially as early as the summer. And so today we're gonna to be talking about abortion providers and advocates in Texas. Um, and so Candace actually is just, uh, published an article, uh, just came out last week in Truthout called Texas Abortion Funds Work to Reduce Looming Harms of Post-Roe Criminalization. And so, Candace, one thing that's a real important piece of your, of your article is that um, Greg Abbott had actually, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, had already been making abortion access very difficult. Um, one kind of key moment you talk about is like March 2020 at the start of the pandemic. Um, could you maybe, do we want to maybe start there with where he's been like sort of working to, you know, reduce access as much as possible? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, I mean, I think, I think at this point, many people are familiar with the six week abortion ban SB8 um, that, you know, uses this really unique civil enforcement mechanism, which is a lot of people have referred to as vigilante justice to go after folks 
seeking abortions with with lawsuits. Um, but you know, so people point to that as as abortion being limited in in the state of Texas for for a long time now, uh, for some for some months now. But people kind of forget that this month long period happened just in in March 2020 at the onset of the pandemic, where actually all abortions were banned. Um, so this was a an executive order that Abbott put out that basically said that abortions were medically unnecessary procedures um, was the characterization. So only abortions that would save the life of the pregnant person would be allowed during this time um, using these COVID justifications. And so this was bounced back and forth in the courts, um, but it, it remained in effect for about a month. Um, so this is a critical period in thinking about you know, a post-row world where abortion networks, providers, funders, advocates on the ground here in Texas kind of learned how to operate in a post-row reality. Um, and so they're, they're kind of looking at that time period um, and, and utilizing that knowledge and experience going forward. Um, and then, you know, I think a lot of people forget, um, obviously, I, I like I said, there was this intense um, observation of what happened with SBA, but you know, Texas has been this ground zero for for laying the roadmap, uh, setting the groundwork for like the national rights plan to overturn Roe. And this goes back to 2013, if people will recall all the uproar around HB2 at the time, um, which was, you know, banned abortion at 20 weeks. It required admitting privileges uh, for doctors to it was like you had to have admitting privileges within 30 miles of a facility. Um, and then they also, you know, required doctors to uh, uh, dispense the abortion inducing pills in person. Um, so this legislation was eventually resulted in the case whole women's health. If people will recall that major case, which pushed back against it and limited some provisions of it. But in the, the time that it was in effect before there was an injunction, there was 42 abortion clinics in Texas and that got dwindled down to 19. So that was a huge moment in 2013 that built the groundwork again for SB8, um, SB4, you know, this, this moratorium that we had during COVID uh, leading, you know, into the, the post-row reality that we're facing now. Um, so that's kind of the long, the long kind of, um, at least recent history, you know, if people recall Wendy Davis got up there and did that filibuster again against HB2, activists flooded into the Capitol during that time. So this this has been going on, you know, for for more than a decade, for about a decade or so. And and how are how have some of the at least since March 2020, if not going back to 2013, how have some of the pro-choice abortion providing or pro-choice advocacy groups slash abortion providers um, been sort of using this as a learning moment. Right. Well, so, I mean, the, the major thing for abortion funders is looking at sending folks out of state. I mean, this has been the operating model in Texas. Um, like I said, even, even since, um, you know, even since HB2, because when those clinics went down, we went from 42 to 19, right? It stranded a lot of people in really rural areas that, it, you know, it became really hard for them to travel um, working people. So getting them, you know, just just funding them to be able to to be able to, to stop working, to find childcare and to travel the distance they needed. They were already kind of looking at 
funding for traveling then. And then it just has escalated to needing to send folks out of state. And so folks were sending people to Oklahoma. Um, that was the kind of nearest states. And there's been really good reporting on how clinics there have seen, you know, this upsurge in, um, you know, people coming in with Texas license plates. And, you know, about a month ago, Oklahoma also passed a similar SB8 style bill where they used that civil enforcement mechanism to do a complete ban. So Oklahoma went off the map. That was already off the map, you know, a month before we got this leak. So they were already adjusting to that. That was a, a close neighboring option that went that went down, right? So they're they're already looking at, well, we have to send people farther and farther. And so now we're facing a situation where, you know, it could be you know, somewhere around half of the states could, you know, they either have trigger bans or they have these pre-existing abortion bans or some other form of a ban that could go into enforcement. And with that, it's not like we can just send people to Colorado if they don't have the capacity. So it, California really opens up as an option because Governor Newsom has pledged all of this extra capacity and expanded access. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's a whole burden now, um, looking at, you know, sending folks as far as California um, to get their abortion needs covered. Um, and then providers, of course, you know, really are, are limited. They, they really can't do anything, you know, beyond, beyond what the law says. So if there's any fetal heartbeat after six weeks, they, they cannot, you know, proceed. You mentioned the... Um... In Texas, you went down from 41 to 19 providers. And that's an element that I've seen a little bit of, you know, discussion in the media about it, but but this is really a class issue as well. I mean, obviously Roe v. Wade affects all women, but um, it's gonna obviously have a, a much worse effect on on poor women who don't have access. In some of the states like, you know, uh, Montana, Wyoming, there might be one provider in in the entire state. Um, you know, how how even if it isn't, even even if you do have access to abortion rights in Massachusetts or New York and California, how are people going to, you know, kind of be able to do that? Are there going to be kind of networks set up to help folks or? Right. So I should be clear that that is sort of what these abortion funders do. There are these nonprofit organizations that are set up to kind of like provide these resources to people yeah. to fund their travel and their expenses and to get them childcare. And these are the kind of resources that they are like mustering, bearing to the floor. But yeah, without that support, most women, marginalized people, people who are overworked, um, are are not able, you know, to make that kind of a trek. They weren't even able to make that trek, you know, in rural parts of Texas after we lost the clinics. Um, so, so yeah, that's why this is so important, and the threat of their criminalization becomes so um, vital, you know. And then the other the other thing I should say is that those those same networks are also looking to Mexico now as a result of this, which is, is interesting because Mexico sort of becomes a, a closer option than even California. Yeah. What, what about things like the, like the morning after pill, which you can, you know, get through the mail. I know some states are actually trying to criminalize that as well. Yeah. I mean, so the morning after pill, so because of Roe um, being overturned, any, any contraception that can become reclassified as abortion, so especially things like the morning after pill, which, you know, is designed, you know, after like an initial, it, very soon, early, but after like an initial fertilization, you know, could be reclassified as abortion, even though I think that there would be lots of people, yeah, there's, there's certainly 
it's it's not technically abortion. Right. Although um, I think hasn't Louisiana said that it begins a fertilization now. Right. Right. Well, so Louisiana is also pushing forward, you know, a, a homicide bill. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So really extreme stuff coming out of Louisiana. But yeah. So, you know, the thing is about this is they say that they don't want to go after contraception and they say that they don't want to criminalize, um, you know, women and people who are seeking abortions directly. But that just isn't what we have seen, even in the 50 years uh, you know, we've had rose protections. And, and as I report, you know, there's there's really good organizations that have been documenting stuff, but the National Advocates for Pregnant Women have documented about 1,600 cases of, you know, attempted, uh, of of criminalization of cases, criminal cases against- Isn't there one in Texas about a month ago? Yeah, yeah, Lizelle Herrera, we'll get into that. But yeah, even, even in the 15 years since we've had the protections of Roe, we have seen these cases. Right. And then, you know, National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, they are going through the statutes. There's more than 4,400 federal criminal statutes. There's tens of thousands state level statutes. So these statutes are there. They're primed. They are ready for the trigger to be pulled, you know, which is which is um, apt because these laws are called trigger laws. Um, But but right. Yeah. So Lizelle Herrera was this incredibly revealing moment that happened just last month. And and this was, you know, this kind of foreshadows the the future that that we are looking at um, in Texas and the South broadly. But yeah, so Lizelle Herrera, it was a woman in South Texas who was indicted for a a quote unquote self-induced abortion. And this stemmed from a report that a hospital made to police in January. Um, and so there's a lot that we don't know about the case yet, you know, that, ha- that we don't exactly know, you know, how deliberate this was, whether it, it really came from anti-abortion sort of animus or whether or not it was just sort of uh, incompetence, like prosecutorial incompetence, not really understanding the state statutes. Um, but it points to, again, the, the importance of prosecutional dis- discretion in local, um, you know, counties. Basically, how good is your DA? Um, and and this is an interesting aspect of what's going on right now because you have DAs who are taking sides, and there are at least five DAs, including my DA um, in Travis County in the Austin area, Jose Garza, who have already are pledging, are lining up to say we will not prosecute people for making personal health decisions, you know, talking about how that this is not, this is a waste of resources. You know, this does not make us any safer. Um, this in fact does, does the opposite. Um, and so, right. So you have this, you have the, the DAs lining up um, saying we're, we're not going to use our prosecutional discretion this way, but you also have folks on the right, state lawmakers, who are already trying to, to counteract that and are already looking at ways to go after. Right now, it looks like they're really primed to target um, advocates. So p- the people who are doing these a- abortion funding networks, they have a huge target on their back. Um, state lawmaker Briscoe Kane, he's talking about this legislation that would allow prosecutors outside of their home districts to basically reach into other jurisdictions and prosecute uh, people seeking abortion. If you know, if Jose Garza is saying he's not going to do it, right. then the other DA can come in and stick his hand in here um, and take matters 
What, one quick question I have is the charges were dropped against Lizelle Herrera because there was pressure on, I think it was the Star County DA by other DAs. Right. But that was a little bit of a strategy that the some of the abortion advocate groups actually had like worked worked on is my is the way I read that. Right. Yeah, totally. That was, you know, one of the first things they did. So it, it was really um, Frontera Fund, if when how uh, these groups down in South Texas played a huge, critical, important role in getting uh, the charges dropped against Lizelle. Um, basically, they went they went to the progressive prosecutors like Jose and they said, hey, what can we do? Can y'all put out statements? Can you exert some pressure here? Um, and so that's what happened. And then that obviously led to the, the progressive DA sort of putting out the statement in general where they're they're coming out, you know, they're saying, let's not overturn road. This is imperiling, you know, community safety. And, and then the other thing that kind of like struck me is when I was reading that, I was reading about Briscoe Kane's proposed legislation to have to give local DAs the ability to go into other DAs jurisdictions and prosecute. Is there any threat of the, the state attorney general actually being able to do that if a local prosecutor, I'm going to assume that the prosecutors in Harris County, Dallas County, Travis County are going to be much more liberal than like some of these like more rural areas or even suburban areas, but is there any threat from like the Ken Paxton? And we all know what an idiot he is. So, yeah. you know, is there a threat of the state attorney general intervening as well? Yeah, I, I think there definitely is. But so it has to play out in a court, right? And so we have to see, you know, if the, if the Texas Supreme Court is going to uphold that prosecutorial discretion, which is embedded in the state constitution. So it does seem legally like that may not hold. But the thing is, is what we always see is in these cases is that in the time it takes for the courts to settle the matter, the damage gets done, right? So that's what we've seen in all of these major cases that had these courts, you know, either strike down provisions or uphold provisions. Um, Incredible damage gets done in the meantime, Um, just like, you know, with with SBA, with everything that we've seen. So yeah, that that's, yeah, that's the danger. Uh, are there, I'm assuming there's a network of, you know, doctors, medical providers, lawyers who are already working on this, who are supportive of, of abortion rights. Um, I think I, I, I spent a lot of time in Ohio. People have the, up here have a concept that Texas is just this homogenous place. And I try to explain that like West Texas and Houston are utterly different worlds, you know, and where I live in, I live in Harris County. So it's like Boston or Chicago and in, in a lot of ways. So are there kind of pockets of, you know, lawyers, doctors, medical providers who are kind of doing whatever they can or saying, look, we're not going to abide by these laws or. Yeah, I mean, I think we have already seen that in SBA, right? Like we've seen some deliberate challenges um, come about um, where these civil lawsuits, you know, I think there was a case where somebody in a different state deliberately sued um, to see if they can test it. And, and so we've had that. And again, it's just working its way through the courts. And I think that, you know, and again, so Roe hasn't been overturned yet. And we don't know exactly what all is going to get passed or how the dust is going to settle. We can't say how many statutes are going to get enacted. Like Texas has this trigger law, right? But it may not even necessarily need the trigger law. As my understanding is that the trigger law takes 30 days to go into effect. Um, but they have these pre we also have these pre-existing statutes that are on the books, some dating back, you know, to the, like the 1850s that could, as soon as Roe gets overturned, just come back into play. Um, so it may happen 
even before trigger law sort of time time period that allows for that it could be sooner and it's hard to say exactly how how much you know what kind of approach the GOP we we know that they're going to go after abortion funders um whether or not they can try to you, you know actually prevent people from traveling out of state or you know they're they're talking about things like outlined people just donating to abortion funds, which is clearly like a violation of the First Amendment, the whole like money is speech thing also. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, so, so some of the stuff that they're talking about is clearly legally dubious, right? Like, but again, like it takes time for that dust to settle and for the courts to figure out, you know, what, what they can do and what they can't do. Um, so yeah, I think that there are definitely people like legal folks who are strategizing right now, but it's hard to say, you know, exactly what's going to happen um, and, and how long it will take to, to sort of resolve these, these legal questions. You are listening to the Silky Smooth Sounds of the Green and Red podcast. And as always, we thank you for listening to us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And then as always, uh, we would like to ask you to subscribe. Uh, to us on whatever format you listen to, whether it be on podcast or on our YouTube channel. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are on Linktree slash Green and Red Podcast. And we now also have postcards. And if you have a coffee house or a library or a bookstore or someplace like that in your area, that might be uh, a great spot to put some of these. Just ask us and we will send them to you free of charge to spread the word about the Green and Red Podcast. And you can email us at greenredpodcast at gmail to get uh, a, a packet of your, of your postcards. Uh, and then if you really like us, you can uh, donate. And you know we, we are very happy to get the donation and have the small base of small donors that we have. Uh, and so you can either become a patron at patreon.com backslash green red podcast, or you can make a one-time donation at green and red podcast.org and just hit that support button. It's also on the postcards. Uh, and so, uh, you know, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, before we didn't actually go into this, you had mentioned Mexico as a, as a potential alternative. And I'm wondering if you could say a little bit about that. They've recently, like, we, you know, there when the when the when the leak came out, within actually like left Twitter and left activist spaces, they were sharing pictures of women having like pretty rowdy riots at the at the Mexican presidential palace. And there's been a little bit more. There's been some progress on abortion in Mexico in recent times. And I'm wondering, you know, how does that sort of fit into this? And I, I believe in your article, you say there's at least four Mexican states where abortion is legal. Yeah, yeah. Basically, different Mexican states have different approaches. There's at least four where in most circumstances you can get the, the surgical procedure done um, if you need. And like I said, the, the interesting thing about, yeah, the Mexican Supreme Court ruling, which decriminalized, um, you know, people getting abortions, um, just decriminalized abortions in general is 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 going into a situation where um you we you know we are less progressive on abortion than most of the rest of the country right and that's not to like single out anybody but just that it, it underscores the like backwards sliding how much we're going backwards um it's not just mexico also there's 
been some interesting progress in Latin America and Colombia, um, you know, feminists who have been fighting there and, and making progress on this. Chile uh, too, I think. Right, right, yeah. So in Poland, really, even. <laughs> right, right. So when yeah, Poland I mean, is more progressive than than uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the advocates in Texas are looking at right now, asking themselves the question of what can we learn from feminists on the ground in Latin America right now? Like, what were their approaches? How did they win this fight? Um, those are the kind of questions being explored. Um, but yeah, you know, so surgical is one thing, but but honestly, folks have been traveling across the border for a long time to get misopostal, which is one of the um, abortion inducing pills. And so and I think there's so much to be said about updating our understandings of modern abortion, right? So like people trot out the coat hangers um, and, 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 and it's not to say that overturning Roe couldn't, couldn't absolutely lead to scenarios like that in certain cases, but that's not really what it looks like in the modern era. It doesn't preclude that, right? But most of the time we are talking about these abortion inducing pills. So the FDA allows providers to sort of prescribe like a two drug combo combo in, in combination with methapristone um, that you know, allows the abortion to get induced. You can just take mesopostal on its own. People know, people know this. That's what people sort of travel across the border to buy. You can just get that in pharmacies in Mexico. So that, that has been going on for a long time. Um, and it's important because Mexico is now the closer option, right? So if all these states go down, you know, why, if you live in South Texas, why fly to California when you can opt the border and, you know, buy me some postal and get some online resources to help you sort of manage what those side effects are. And again, you know, it's not that that is like fine, like we should be in a situation where we have providers who are able, you should have a provider who is able to walk you through that and manage that with you. But that is what is being taken away right now. So people are, are being forced into a situation where they have to self-manage that and figure that out and get those resources on their own. Um, it can be fairly safe though. Um, and that has been happening for a while. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think yeah, the, the, but, you know, the other important thing that we have to talk about when we talk about Mexico is obviously like undocumented people. We can't leave that out. Like those people cannot, they can't do that. They can't even travel. It's not just that they can't hop the border over to Mexico and, and pick up their Mesa Postal. It's that they can't even travel within like huge regions of, of South Texas because there are internal immigration checkpoints. And so that was also a huge issue with HB2 when all the clinics went down. So when we went from 42 to 19, that stranded a lot of undocumented people in South Texas who were unable, they, it took down their clinic and they couldn't get to the next nearest one because they can't pass through the checkpoint, you know? So it's like their choices become, you know, do I try to attempt to, to go and get a provider to, to manage this or do I risk, you know, being deported? So again, Providing these resources to people, which these networks have been doing for a while, that, that's been, in, like I said, that's just been in play for, for a long time, even going back to 2013, when, when so many of our clinics went offline. My, my other question, partially because we've done this other episode around direct action and, and mutual aid around, uh, around, around abortion, and we'll probably going to be seeing a whole lot more of this. 
are there any other like i mean i have a question about marches and things that we may be seeing on the streets in in texas but like are there other forms of like besides people giving money um you know clinic defense you know being a clinic escort used to be like in my in my eyes was always a form of of, of mutual aid that we saw in the in the sort of post row era but like are there other like forms of sort of mutual aid or even direct action that you think we'll be seeing in texas around around this issue yeah i mean i think that so when i talk about these abortion funders i'm talking about you know i think i think it's not that the, that's not a form of mutual aid, but we are talking about like nonprofit organizations. Um, but there have been like more grassroots uh, collectives that have formed um, that like on a real grassroots level, just organize, you know, to drive people over state lines and things like that. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. It's very tricky because all of that is about to get criminalized. I mean, I think as far as the GOP strategy, like that is the first thing that they're going to go after. That's what they're talking about right now. Um, so yeah, it's going to be real underground, but that, that has been existing for that is, like I said, all of this has already been ongoing in Texas um, for a while. I think it just, it's a matter of stepping up again, that security culture um, and, and really- not, not putting it on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, these are our smart <clears throat> folks who have been facing the, the specter of this looming criminalization for a while. They know how to use signal. Um, they know how to do this stuff. Um, and so, so yeah, I think it's a, right. It's an issue of stepping up criminal legal training in general, like knowing what your rights are, beefing up your security culture practices, um, and, and partnering with bail funds. I think a lot of these networks, grassroots or, or nonprofit are really looking to strengthen their bonds with bail funds. And that's something that, again, we saw in Lizelle Ferreira's case, um, where in, in South Texas, you know, they worked together to create like a big legal fund that, that you know, it was, it was more expansive beyond just being a legal fund. It was really to support Lizelle, like with all of her needs during that time. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that people who have been doing work on the, the criminal legal front, supporting bail funds and jail support and that kind of thing, like they're, we're going to see them come a lot closer together with typical, you know, what we would think of as just typically reproductive rights work is about to have to get more intersectional. Um, and, and it has been getting intersectional and we've been seeing that play out. So that's kind of the main strategy right now is just to kind of find ways to operate within this new world where Roe is gone and, you know, uh, abortion rights are no longer part of your kind of constitutional rights or, I, I mean, I'm not trying to sound too bleak, but I think it's pretty bleak. So, uh, um, you know, like right now I'm getting 90 emails a day, give money to the Democrats, give money to this, give money to that, which, you know, has been their pitch for 50 years. They're going to repeal Roe v. Wade, send us money. And, you know, obviously people making provisions to help women in need is great. But again, I go back to, I think there's this real class angle here and poor women are really not going to have these options. They're not going to be aware of them. So is there, I'm not asking to give away any secrets or anything, but is there, you know, like in Mexico, they bear, they just went to the, the, the judicial system and in Poland, they had massive protests and, you know, uh, I mean, is there, is there more than, you know, that going on? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, again, we'll we'll see ongoing protests. There are more protests, as I understand it, slated for just this weekend. And like I said, there people are working all of those legal strategies. But again, it just takes time for that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look at the time it's already taken, you know, and just the ingenuity that the Republicans have have engineered to be able to get around Roe's protections as it is. Like I said, like we have Roe has been in place. Um, and they have found legal sure. loopholes to get around it. Um, I, I think all of those avenues are going to be in place. But yeah, I think it, it's it's grim. But you have to you have to work outside the system to protect the people in need yeah. until that gets worked out. And yeah, it is grim because the Democrats aren't doing a damn thing, a damn thing. They can't. They have a majority. They just voted on codifying Roe. Mansion obviously crossed the aisle to block that. I mean, we cannot get any any real protections from them. They have been a dismal disgrace. Nancy Pelosi is backing Henry Cuellar, yes, the yes. last anti-choice yes. Democrat. Yeah. I mean, it it's it boggles the mind. It it it's I, I really don't have words to describe that in the mm-hmm. moment, in the same week that we got this leak. Yeah. They're down there campaigning against Jessica Cisneros, a progressive, you know, so that is, that's how dismal a situation. Yeah. I can't tell you how much hell I've caught for going after Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who should have resigned the day she was diagnosed, you know? Uh, I mean, there is this continued, like, you know, well, this will be a great, you know, political, you know, boom for the Democrats in November. It's like, no, it won't. You know, Greg Abbott in the last election got 63% of the female vote. So, you know, and what what surprised me is that that what I call the fugitive slave law, part of that law, which, you know, basically gave you a bounty to turn in to snitch on women. Um, even the majority of pro, you know, anti-abortion Texans thought that went too far, but they did it. Right. So there there's no like legitimate, uh, what I call legitimate, I mean, like, like the Democrats or all these NGOs aren't going to do anything except hit you up for money. Yeah. Well, I I will say I I do have some caveats that like, I'm, I'm slightly more, and this isn't to say that like, I think he's going to win or anything, but I'm like slightly more like optimistic when it comes to state level, like Beto O'Rourke's campaign, he has been able to capitalize on a lot of Abbott's um, fuck ups more or less like a couple of things Abbott has done political, uh, his, a couple of his political stunts have backfired on him and get, yeah. made, been able to capitalize on that, namely requiring all these inspections of people coming over the border, kind of snarled up traffic and well, then the freeze, Beto, right. Know. Yeah. Beto sort of launched a supply chain attack on him um, over that. Um, sending, He's still 10 know, points behind. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that like in terms of abortion rights, like, it, it is a more divisive issue, even in Texas. And I do think it it is um, not as clear cut for Republicans as like attacks on immigration. Yeah. Um, and, and so we'll see, you know, what Beto is able to do with with how far they take it. Right. So it's a question like politically, again, Roe falls. How far do they go with criminalization um, with these things? They could get too greedy. So we'll see. Um, but at the same time, like none of that, we, we can have these political fights, we can have these legal fights, but none of that doesn't do anything to help people on the ground right now. So you have to have mutual aid, you have to have these direct action networks, you have to have this on the ground support that is real, that is 
you, you know, I, I, and again, this just goes to how everything is sort of collapsing and then the, the, the overlapping crises we face that this is, we have to learn how to do this stuff, right? Like our institutions are failing us. We have to learn how to directly create these networks that are outside of these institutions and that will become more and more important. I've kind of gotten to the last of my questions, but I have, I have like, well, I have two more. One, you kind of mentioned this before, but is there any like sort of like we're starting to see, you know, you said that there's a lot of demos going on right now. So we're starting to see like lots of demos happening in, in the streets of Texas. Yeah, um, I, I think limited here and there. I mean, I am in Austin. Um, and so, you know, Austin kind of has a weird dynamic really where, you know, everybody meets at the Capitol and sometimes that can kind of dampen the energy. But, you know, I will say, and it doesn't, it doesn't say a whole lot, but like the, the demo I went to in Austin, you know, a lot of the times these things really are just, we rally at the Capitol and then we go home, but at least at the one I went to, there was an appetite to like actually take the streets, um, out. So, you know, we didn't have a permit. Um, the police kept, there was a few scuffles, scuffles that broke out with police, police made arrests, um, you know, during that, that March that I went to and yeah, they kept trying to corral us in certain directions and the crowd resisted. Um, and, you know, we eventually ended up, uh, at a crisis pregnancy center in West campus area, um, which is a, which is a, a right-wing way to shame people into not having to right. yeah. go in full term with their pregnancy, a, right? A a fake abortion clinic, basically. Yeah. yeah. So to, to, we sort of ended up there to call that out, but it did seem like there was energy, um, in, in a way that, you know, I've seen a lot of just very liberal protests, just kind of, okay, we're at the Capitol and now we're going home. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can see that. Um, and again, there's, there's more protests slated for this week and actually Trump is coming into town. Um, so I'm planning on uh, going out there. I think there, but I think we can also expect um, some fascist presence uh, out there as well. So we're going to see have, have to see how that goes down. But yeah, I, I definitely think that all all of that is is playing out. So we'll see. And then my my other question is like for like our audience, what are is, is there any places that you could recommend for where people could go to like kind of support these abortion funds at this point? Yeah, yeah, I would say um, needabortion.org is the the kind of, um, you know, the the initiative of the Lilith Fund. This is really hands-on. You can just go needabortion.org and it'll direct you if you need an abortion, where to go um, out of state and provide you with a lot of resources. But yeah, please, um, before, you know, before they're criminalized, please donate to Lilith Fund, please donate to Frontera Fund. Frontera Fund is the South Texas abortion fund that was really instrumental in getting Lizelle Herrera's charges dropped. Um, so yeah, the, really the, the organizations in South Texas are so important because they also work with these undocumented um, folks in these undocumented populations, which so often get totally left out of the conversation. Um, especially when we're talking about like, oh, we'll just all travel. Um, so yeah, like those people in particular is really important to support them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty courageous work to be working with like low income, undocumented people on the border and on especially in this time and with in this atmosphere, particularly in the atmosphere in Texas. Yeah. Um, Bob, do you have any other questions? No, thanks so much, and and uh, appreciate what you're doing, and you know, good luck. I know. 
uh, all too well how difficult it is to get stuff going in Texas. Uh, it's uh, the, I call it Taliban occupied Texas. So uh, yeah. it's, it's rough there. And so appreciate all you're doing. Yeah. I'll just say lastly that, um, yeah, I, I just want to talk a little bit about the Taliban thing. Um, just cause I saw something on Twitter today, um, where, you know, there, there's like an image going around with some women, uh, it's the three Supreme court justices who are women who have like the job over them. I, I do, I, I like, I get why people are making that comparison, but also I feel like it's important to just like not deflect blame from the fact that it is Christians who are doing this, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like, just it's a saying, I, I wouldn't get too upset about no, it. No, no, no. I mean, totally yeah. get it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's Christian fascism. And then the last thing I just want to point out is, is this whole baby formula crisis. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah like it, it's this, I mean, so this has been emerging over the past couple of days, right? And it's a frightening situation, but Abbott literally just put out a statement today calling out Joe Biden for providing baby formula to undocumented people's babies. So really wild, cruel stuff that just underscores how this is not about protecting babies or the sanctity of, of infants or anything like that. Um, it's about controlling people's bodies, right? So like, yeah, it's just, it's so disgusting to, to be passing all the, to, to be posturing as pro-life and then saying basically that we should starve undocumented babies. I, that If that doesn't reveal, you know, what this is actually about and their real true intentions, I, I really don't know what would for but I think I think they've, their intentions have been pretty clear for a long time. I mean, I keep going, I mean, it's, it's a bigger problem. Like in Texas, the vast majority of women vote for Greg Abbott. So they may be pro-choice, but they're still voting for Republicans. So it's, I think it's bigger than just like evangelical Christians or whatever. You have a whole political culture there that ties into a lot of other different issues. So yeah, um, absolutely. No, no offense with the Taliban thing, but I'm not going to defend them either. I think they're very similar evangelicals and things. So anyway, uh, thanks for all your, your good work. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Folks, you've been listening to uh, Candace Byrne with senior editor at Truth Out, um, uh, talking about reproductive rights, mutual aid, Texan abortion funds into all of this in Texas. Um, if you like what you hear, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, if you like watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. And then if you want to make a donation, go to greenandredpodcast.org and hit support or become a patron at patreon.com backslash greenredpodcast. Um, it's been great talking. Everybody out there make a lot of trouble. We'll talk again soon.